All right, Dan, welcome to the show, Verum, is it? Verum, yes, sir. Verum, all right. Awesome. Welcome to the show, Verum. I'm really excited to talk to you about uh, the topic, which is addiction. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the field of being a certified peer specialist. Well, that's a long road that uh, that I traveled there, <laughs> starting okay. starting in addiction myself, you know, mm-hmm. and I mean, it, it all depends on how far you want to go back if we're doing therapy or <laughs> not. Nah, but I, you know, I've really this this has ties back into my my teenage years, you know, in high school when I first started fucking around with drugs, I uh, just made one bad decision after another and, uh, you know, led me to a life of chaos essentially 10 years i was addicted to heroin and opioids 15 years i was addicted to drugs in general uh and going on six years now i've i've been in recovery and uh the last three years i've worked in the recovery field so yeah it's been a long road all right, then. So let's talk about how um, you first became addicted, and then we'll talk about your journey out of addiction. Okay. Uh, how I first became addicted? Well, yeah, I, I was kind of... I say that it's tied to the earlier years because really I was addicted before it even happened. I already had the mindset. I was already... Like I already kind of had it decided which direction I was going subconsciously. It was just it was just the path I was destined to take because of the attitude I had and the kinds of decisions I was making. Um, I, I was in a bad place and I was turning to the wrong people and coming to the wrong solutions for these problems. I was in a bad space, uh, a broken home. Uh, wasted potential, lack of guidance, guilt, lots of these things that I was dealing with in high school. And and so when I found the party scene, you know, things didn't feel so bad for a night or two or three, you know, and the more I partied, the less I gave a shit. So really, that's kind of where it started. And then when the party scene, you know, kind of died out whereas you know friends graduate high school go off to college everybody goes their separate ways you know i graduated as well but i graduated to harder drugs you know and uh you know it it just comes along with a lot of other things as well you know crime um overdoses you know a lot you know (laughs) jail time rehabs it's it's it comes with a lot of um baggage you know and so uh i would you know that's that's really the best way to sum it up on how the addiction started and uh it was it wasn't until about i can't remember if it was if i was 19 or 20 to be honest but i think i was 20 when i first tried heroin and uh, within the year it was an everyday thing 
And so, uh, you know, most people enjoy their 21st birthday and they go out and they have a couple drinks. And while I did go to the bar with some friends, I didn't even, I don't even think I ordered a drink that night. You know, I was blasted on heroin, you know? So it's like, what the, what do I care to get a drink? You know? So early, early on in my adulthood, I really kind of chose my path whether it was consciously or subconsciously is really another debate, but, um, yeah. All right. Dan. So let's talk about what it was like being a heroin addict. You know, heroin is in the news a lot now. Heroin and opioids. Our country is really going through a struggle right now with this addiction. So I'm definitely, I'm really interested in talking to you and learning more about this because, you know, I, I drive through so many communities and I see so many people who are who are just addicted to this. So how how do you go like what was it like being a heroin addict? Let's like delve into that. Like were you stealing to fund your habit? Were you working a job? Like d- describe it to me. Both, really. Mm-hmm. Uh you get to a point where you know you do what you gotta do to get by uh and oftentimes you know i tell people that you know i didn't go to college but i went to the school of hard knocks and it's a good way of summing it up and being cheeky about it but uh it's true because what i learned is firsthand survival mode on the most basic instincts of human behavior um some of the most raw just nitty gritty sorts of behaviors because with an addiction like that and the kinds of issues that i was dealing with that i was running from essentially hiding from you know that addiction will do whatever it needs to do to hide from those issues and it's some pretty it's some pretty dark and scary places and 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 that's just and the, and that's just the things that I did do not to mention the darker thoughts that came to mind that I had to deny like oh I'm not going to go that far you know you got to draw a line in the sand somewhere a man has to have a code and uh you know that is what I learned as well you know a man has to have a code but where in the you know where in the sand are you drawing your lines and that really starts to define who you are and i had to i had to have a moral standpoint somewhere and 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 so yeah i uh am not presentable i'm not um i i don't want to be in the workforce right so i'm not really presentable nor do i want to be there and so yeah i i turned to a life of crime it's way easier to steal and 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 resale it's way easier for somebody like me in that scenario. And, you know, I drew my line in the sand that I would never, uh, I, I would never invade somebody's personal space. So I had no problem stealing from a store, uh, but I never wanted to break into somebody's house or do something crazy like that, you know? So that was kind of where I drew my line. I was like, as long as I'm stealing from the system, 
I can justify that. I don't want to steal from other people. I tried to really make it a self-serving thing. It's a very selfish act, you know, to be an addict in general and to be a heroin addict or just, I'll just say on hard drugs in general. It's a very selfish act. And so I, I tried to steer into that and make it to where the only person affected was me. And and yeah, it affects your your close family and stuff, but but I tried to make it where the collateral damage was was minimized. I'm, so that's another thing I'm learning how to mitigate uh, damage, you know. So these are the kinds of raw things you learn as an addict. But it's up to the, each an individual addict to process these things, you know, correctly because. I did learn from these scenarios and I did grow as a person. Uh, not everybody does, you know, some people steer into it and they say, Oh, these are, these are skills. I, I see a lot of it as behaviors and options for humans to, to make, but some people see these as skills that need to be honed so that they can perfect them and be the best at them. But that's a, that's a road that ends in, misery it ends in jail prison or death and uh i decided i wanted to live a little bit longer uh i enjoyed my freedom and liberties i was yeah i was cool on that so yeah i decided to learn from them and uh eventually leading me to to becoming a certified peer specialist yeah all right so i want to get into that about you working as a certified peer specialist and how you help that people beat their addictions. But first, what I want to know is what started you on your road to recovery? Did you like have a situation where you hit total rock bottom and you said, I have to crawl out of this space and get my life together? If so, what was that moment for you? It wasn't one moment. I wish, I wish, because then I could I could rewind the tape and say, there it is. And then I got clean. But, you know, I am of the belief that rock bottom is a myth. There is no such thing as rock bottom. It's good enough, you know, uh, as an expression to, pr to prove your point and stuff. But as far as it being an actual concept, I don't believe there is one because the only rock bottom is six feet under. It doesn't get any. You can't can't get any lower than that, you know. So and, and what I mean by that, right, is because every rock bottom goes deeper. You know, uh, I've hit rock bottom a number of times on what most people would have been like, oh, I'm done. That's it. I've That's rock bottom. I'm not ever doing that again. For most people, that would have been, you know, the uh, the end of the road. But but for me, no, uh, not the case so you know I, I hit rock bottom a number of times and it, the notch just went lower and lower and lower every time um but it i can sum it up to one year uh not necessarily one particular you know occasion but one year which is 2017 that did me in because i was already you know i'd hit rock bottom i'd been in rehab i'd been in jail and you know I know that this isn't the life I want. I'm learning from it. I'm I'm all these things I'm sharing with you now. I'm I'm growing as a person. So I know this isn't the life I want to lead. And if only I could just get out of it. 
And a lot of it was me holding myself back, but yeah, the, the, that's, that's definitely something we could, that's yeah. Dig into that, but uh, that's a different story, but, but I, you know, I decided that, um, that I did want to get out of it. And it was just a matter of time of like, when, like, like, and, and I had this discussion with myself of like, what are you waiting for? Are you waiting for something bad to happen? Are you waiting for the real rock bottom? Like, what it, what are you waiting for? And unfortunately, yeah, um, I had every chance to turn around and I didn't until 2017. Um, and that was for what some people may remember uh, was a bad year in general. Um, a lot of people overdosed that year. I don't know the statistics. I could probably look back on it. But yeah, that's got to be at least one of the worst years. Uh, and over the summer of 2017, my best friend overdosed. Uh, he's no longer with us. And my mother um, went into a diabetic coma. And she is still with us. Uh, but she suffered some brain damage. So these two things happened within six weeks of one another. And this is after a summer of 2017. I was already like wanting to get clean. I, uh, I was doing this thing where like I would get high a couple days and then I'd be sober for like a week. And then, you know, I was, I was kind of doing this thing where I was, I was trying to just get as much clean time as possible. I wasn't really fully committed, but I was trying to get as much clean time as possible. And then these two acts happened and I was done. I did relapse one time in January of 2018 where I had some second thoughts and I was like, I don't, I don't know if I'm ready. And I got high and I hated every minute of it. And I've not been high since. So that's January. I don't even remember the date, man. It was late January of 2018. And uh, I'm working on six years. Awesome. I'm, congratulations on that. Thank you. Is it hard to stay sober? I hear that heroin is one of the most addictive drugs. I don't know if that's true or not, but I hear it's most addictive. How do you go about staying sober? It's hard. It's very hard. And what you're hearing is true. Uh, it's It's like asking addicts not – it's like – asking another person not to breathe, you know, like not to drink water, not to eat. It becomes, or at least that's what it feels like psychologically to an addict. This is a fundamental part of my life. And you're telling me to stop. Like I can't just stop. It's very hard. Uh, it's physically very hard. And then it's mentally very hard. It's emotionally, it's, it's on, it's firing on all cylinders. It's very fucking hard. And I was distracted, you know, I was distracted long enough to get over that. Uh, you know, everybody has a different amount of time. Some people just need a week and then I can, I can quit it forever. Some people need a month, you know, for me, I don't, there wasn't really a specific amount of time, but I was distracted long enough with my best friend dying and my mother being in a, in the hospital that I was able to keep myself straight. Um, but yeah, like even still to this day, I get triggered. I have cravings. You just learn ways to fight through it. You know, um, you got to know yourself. It, it That's, that's the simplest straightforward answer I can give you because I can give you a bunch of answers about coping, 
coping skills and different tools and mechanisms you can do and whatever. But the most straightforward answer is you just got to know yourself. If you know yourself through and through, you can get through it. Um, but that, that's just all there is to it. Because being an addict is like having another version of yourself uh, live with inside your body. And it takes control. And you get put on the back burner rather than the other way around. And it is a mental illness. There's an argument on whether or not it's a disease. And we don't have to go there. But what I can say is that it is a mental illness. It is definitely a symptom. I My personal belief is that uh, drug addiction is not necessarily itself a disease, but I think that it is a symptom of mental illness and uh, a strong one at that. So especially when you have multiple different kinds of mental illnesses going on, addiction is just the answer to, you know, the short term answer for a person. And addiction can look like many things. It doesn't have to be just heroin, you know, it doesn't have to be marijuana or alcohol. It can be gambling. It can be sex. It can be a lot of things. Uh, it can be coffee. Uh, it can be, and I mean, coffee is not going to ruin somebody's life, but, but my point is that this person, this addictive personality, there's a second version of you inside of your body that you have to be able to live with. And, that's how you're going to get through it. You got to know yourself, all versions of yourself. Gotcha. I like that, man. Know yourself. So that journey of knowing yourself, I, I want to delve more into that uh, idea of knowing yourself. H how does one get to know themselves? What kind of work do they have to do to really understand themselves? And how does that help with uh, fighting addiction? Got to ask questions, you know? Uh, you gotta, you gotta poke the bear. You gotta like, I want to answer your question more broadly, but I, uh, you know, I'm also kind of answering it directly related to being a heroin addict as well. But yeah, more broadly, you don't want to poke the bear so much because then you're inviting addiction in. But if you're already an addict, man, poke the bear, poke the bear, poke the bear, because you're going to fail. You're going to fail a lot. And. Uh, um, and, and really, that's that's the best way to learn. You just got to fail and you just there, there's this combination of. Of failure and then hope it's it's keep trying and don't give up. Hold on to the hope that you you know that it will get better. And that it may take forever but you will get there, but you just can't stop trying. <laughs> There's two things that I can, I can use as, as examples. One is it's something that is basically a meme now because it's going around so much. I've, I've seen it a number of times, like, uh, shared like a number of different ways, but the story remains the same of it's a Harvard study. I think in the 60s. I don't know exactly the time, but it was a Harvard study and it, with the mice where he had them in water. There was like a like a tube filled with water and he would dunk rats, mice, rats. I don't know. Uh, you know, he would put them in the tube of water and see how long they would float there before they gave up and drowned themselves. Um, and then he would 
keep track of the time. And I don't remember the specific numbers, but it was like X amount of time. But then some of them right before they were about to give up. So he would, he would mark it down. Let's just say it was 15 minutes. He'd be like 15, 15, 15. They're all giving up around 15, 20 minutes. And then, so he would wait in about 14 minutes before they were ready to give up. He would take it out and give it, you know, let it live. Right. And then he noticed that when he put it back in, it waited for like 60 hours or something insane before it started. Like it wouldn't give up is the point is, is that there's, this was a scientific research, a scientific study building research about hope is essentially what it was doing. And it showed that when you know that there is an outcome that is better than the one that you are in now, that you will fight tooth and nail to get there. So my point is hope is not just bullshit. Faith is not just bullshit. Holding on to faith and holding on to hope is what will get you through it. So try as many times as you can. Fail as many times as you can. Ask every question that comes to mind. Don't be afraid to be heard. Don't be afraid to be seen. Now's not the time to be vulnerable. You know, and and, and to answer your question more broadly, for people who are not, you know, are not already, you know, addicts themselves and want to get to know themselves that's the more broad question as well is just make attempts you're not going to get anything done sitting around doing nothing and don't be afraid to fail that's how you learn about yourself is by failing you see how you react in real time to problems and you know I've been a problem solver since I was a kid. I've always loved puzzles. So I've been on that mission my entire life. But but that's where it starts, man. It starts with problem solving. It starts with Rubik's Cubes. You know, if you got a kid out there, get them a Rubik's Cube. Because that is a small little key to help them learn about themselves. Problem solving and not being afraid to fail is the answer. Hey, sorry to interrupt. But are you looking to reach a dynamic and engaged audience of curious minds? Well, look no further. Bright Brains Podcast is the perfect platform to showcase your business or product. You'll be able to reach a diverse and intelligent audience and engage with listeners passionate about personal development, technology, and more. Elevate your brand through thought-provoking discussions. Don't miss this opportunity to promote your business on one of the fastest growing podcasts in the market. Contact us today to discuss advertising options and elevate your brand to the next level. Contact us at brightbrainspod at gmail.com to secure your advertising spot on Bright Brains today. Again, that's brightbrains with a Z pod pod at gmail.com now back to the podcast did you have any support in getting sober like any friends or family that helped you out very little and that's why 2017 hit me so hard because i had a very small circle and there was only really two people that were truly there for me uh and they were like my rocks in my life and that was my best friend and my mother (laughs) And one died and one was in a coma. So 
all of a sudden I was on my own, you know, it was, uh, it was a tough year. So, you know, one way of looking at that was time to grow up, you know, um, that's the harsh way of looking at it, but that's also a very real way of looking at it. And sometimes we have to be real with ourselves. How else are we going to grow if we're, if we're pampering ourselves the entire time, you know? What about religion? Are you religious at all? Did God play any kind of role in helping you get sober? In I'd say in the later stages, yeah. Um, I'm not very religious. Um, I was I was raised in uh, like a Catholic family, baptized when I was young, and put into Sunday school stuff like that. But we were never really like church every Sunday kind of family. Um, and then especially through my teen years, you know, my 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 dad went his separate ways. So we really we really stopped going to church then. And I became an atheist and was a pretty strict atheist all the way up and through into my 20s. And uh, nobody <laughs> that is a major bullet point for people in recovery is the only way that you're going to recover and get out of addiction, you got to have some kind of spiritual revolution. That's what I call it. You know, you can word it how you want. Um, I'm not a big AA guy either, uh, but AA has a step that is essentially exactly that. Acknowledge your God, you know, and, uh, and that's what it is. You got to have some kind of spiritual revolution is the way I say it, because there's no other way to get through because you're obviously in a state that is not working. Whatever state you are currently in is not working. And so to get from X to Y, you know, you, you got to change. And so you got to change every part of yourself. Addiction bleeds into every part of your life. So you got to change every part of your life if you want to get there. Uh, later in the later years, I became more spiritual, and uh, I'm now a I'm going to say a, a relatively active pagan. I'm not like going to all the festivals and stuff, but uh, I've incorporated meditation. Um, I was about to say yoga. I, I needed to get better about it. I do stretching. Meditation and stretching really help me. It's just a way to kind of be with yourself in the moment. Uh, I really need to get better about it and do yoga. Yoga helps a lot, um, but it's not official yoga. It's more just like stretching that I've been doing lately. But but yeah, you got to just you got to you got to have a relationship with yourself, a relationship with your God, uh, whatever that looks like, and. Those are two having having those two things kind of in check will definitely, you know, have a good uh, a good, you know, start to your recovery. All right. So let's talk about how you got into being a certified peer specialist. And what does that title mean? Certified peer specialist. What is that? Yeah, it's the the official title is a certified peer recovery supporter. Um, but they have a bunch of names for the titles. So I, I normally just say that, um, because there's peer coach, peer mentor, depending on where you work, 
gonna have a different title. Um, but but yeah, so uh, I essentially help people who are in recovery, early stages of recovery, and as a role model who has, you know, you're, the whole point is to share lived experience and to encourage them to do better and to basically I just live my life and help them live theirs and, you know, show them that it is possible to live a life, a sober life in recovery and that you can be successful. You can make progress. You can be a functioning member of society and uh i you know i personally worked in transitional living which is really the best kind of scenario for a certified peer specialist because that way you're able to help them get around you know you you help them get to their their probation appointments their doctor's appointments you help them fill out paperwork that they might not you know they might not even know how to fill out paperwork for food stamps so you help them out with that kind of stuff and you know the more lived experience that you have as an addict uh the more that you can help these people because not everybody knows all the the different facets that are available to them and all the different avenues that are available to them so that and then a mixture of also uh sharing part of the curriculum which is cbt cognitive behavioral therapy so a mixture between being a uh, a role model and then also um helping them understand cognitive behavioral therapy uh that's really what the role uh that was the significance of the role yeah gotcha so i don't know much about aa but um, um from what i hear inside of aa each person is kind of like teamed up with like a mentor and they're supposed to be like word i'm looking for sponsor um, yeah maybe that's what your sponsor like so if a person feels like drinking they're supposed to call their sponsor and say hey i need some help can you help me out is that kind of like what you do kind of yeah yeah it's it's a lot like a sponsor um but it's it's still different in ways it's like it's like this weird combination of a sponsor a role model and a mentor kind of rolled into a ball um but but yeah because we play a more like a sponsor is not going to do a lot of the curriculum like they're going to do the aa curriculum but uh recovery or not recovery but treatment treatment is a there's a lot more to treatment than just you know abstinence and the and the 12 steps uh, there's a lot more to treatment with treatment comes therapy. Um, you know, as a peer specialist, we can do group sessions. So, um, that's another thing that I did was I would hold group sessions where we would have like, uh, like group therapy and, uh, you know, I would have curriculum based on CBT and I would have packets to flip through and I would meet with them. My day was Friday and I would meet with them Fridays at, it was 3 p.m. and we would have an hour to go over whatever the topic of the day was, which, you know, like I said, CBT curriculum has it all set up. 
um, and you follow along with that. And then, you know, through your lens, share with them what that topic means to you. Like it could be shit. I mean, anything. They have like anger management stuff. They have, you know, family dynamic stuff. Like there's a lot to it. And um, and then there's there's uh, there's therapists in the building that would help them out. But that's that's one on one therapy. And then uh, the group sessions were for a peer specialist to kind of go through the curriculum with them and and talk about it with somebody that they know has lived the same experiences, you know. So gotcha. All right, then. So how did you become certified peer specialist? Did you seek it out or did they seek you out? It just fell into my lap. Um, yeah. honestly, uh, sometimes man, when you do the right thing, the planets just align. And that's what I did. You know, uh, after 2017, I got out on my own for the first time as an adult, which is, is like borderline embarrassing, but is also something to be proud about because it was in my late twenties. It's not like I lived with family the whole time, but when I wasn't living with family, I was just couch hopping and, and being a bum, you know, and and uh, for the first time, I was able to get out on my own. And I had a partner at the time, which was I was very grateful for in the beginning, but it was a toxic relationship. So that's, again, a, a whole other story. But <laughs> um, but that's part of the game, you know, being a peer specialist, you know, a lot of your 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 patients and cl- we, we just call them straight up peers uh a lot of your peers are going to be involved in in toxic relationships still to this day. And the fact that I have that lived experience, you know, helps. So, but yeah, uh, 2017, I hit, you know, my rock bottom essentially and got out on my own, had a partner, got by for about a year working at a factory. And uh, it was brutal, man. Yeah. Like I had to keep myself distracted. I was working night shifts, 8 p.m. to 8 a.m., like doing extrusion, which was a new was a whole new thing to me. Had no idea about extrusion. I learned a lot, uh, but ultimately didn't work out. And uh, to spare the story, I ended up getting fired for like some unjust reasons and my toxic partner at the time was like she was mooching off me because i was getting paid pretty well and i was about to receive unemployment and she was like i you're not how are you supposed to spoil me on unemployment so she left so getting fired from that job helped in that relationship which was good um but it also gave me six months to reevaluate my life up until that point like i mentioned earlier being on survivor mode i uh you know i make decisions based on what's gonna what's gonna solve the problem now so through my 20s i worked a lot of jobs that that just paid the bills you know and so i worked a lot of customer service jobs a lot of restaurant jobs uh delivered a lot of pizza um, so to answer your question from a while ago, you asked me if I, uh, committed more crimes or I actually got to a point where I stopped committing crimes because I, I had that moral code, you know, and I told myself, 
all right it was after i got out of rehab i was like if you're gonna get high still uh you're only gonna get high if you can afford it you're only gonna get high with your own money you're not gonna steal if you're if if you if you're in a situation where you have to steal to get high you don't need to get high and that was the the uh the approach that i had coming out of rehab so rehab helped a little bit <laughs> um but but yeah so i worked these jobs just based on survival you know um and when 2017 came and i moved out i looked around for what job is available that's paying the most and that's what i found and that's why i was working 12 hour shifts um but then i was on unemployment so for the first time in my entire life or my entire adult life anyway i had 6 months to chill and granted, I didn't have a lot of money coming in. It was enough money to pay the bills and get by. And I was struggling a little bit, but I got by. And I was able to think. I, right before unemployment, I, I ran into a friend. We'll call him an acquaintance anyway. Uh, and he was, uh, he was a peer specialist. And he talked to me about it. I was like, what do you mean? What is that? I was like, you're a drug addict criminal. How are you working in the mental health field, you know? And he's like, no, man. He's like, I'm in recovery now, and this is the thing, and blah, blah, blah. He gave me a book. I read into it, and I just sent out my application. Next thing you know, I'm hearing back from him. And six months, I was on unemployment. And with six months, I was able to inquire, uh, apply, become accepted, I had to do 40 hours of classes, of in-person classes. I had to do online classes. I got my certificate, found a job, and started working, like, seamlessly. It was funny because my last unemployment check came, and I didn't go a week without the – or I, I mean, at least two weeks later, I had a I had a check. So I didn't go – I didn't, it was seamless, and it was great, and it – it was crazy how in hindsight I can look back on it and how seamless it, it all played out because I actually did what the universe was setting up for me. You know, when you, when you make it hard on yourself, the universe will oblige, you know, it will say, okay, there's many paths that are meant for you to take. We do have free will to a certain point where you have many paths you can take and pick any of these paths and the universe will help you prosper. But if you choose to do it your own way and have to be stubborn about it, you're going to hit a lot of snags. And that's essentially the story of my my uh, um, my active addiction years as I was stubborn trying to do it my own way and. I got what I wanted, really, you know, or, or I mean, I got what I asked for anyway. So, um, yeah, six months, I was able to take care of all of it. And I was working in the field. And my entire life changed. Like, this was going into 2019, 17. Yeah, going into 2019. So, uh, I, I, I started working in 2019 at the beginning of the year and that my life had changed that much in a year and a half since I experienced my, uh, really bad year, you know, so much had changed.
you currently are no longer working as a certified peer specialist, correct? So right. what are you doing now? Are you doing anything to help people recover from addiction? What is it that you're doing now? Directly, uh, not per se. Um, but no, I, I am no, I'm at the, can't talk. Currently, I am not working in the field. No, I am working in sales. That is because the field pays all right, but there's a lot of corporate politics involved and it's mm. brutal. I learned in the past three years, I am not built for corporate politics. I just, Same. Am not. I just, I speak my mind too much. And yeah. Um, they want people that are going to do what they're fucking told, period. So that's not me. But, uh, you know, I I was there to help people and I helped a lot of people. And these jobs expect so much, like they want you to jump through all these extra hoops. And I, I found myself asking, like, why can't I just go help them? Why can't it be that easy? Um, but it's not. So I'm doing my own thing. I'm making better money honestly and i am i've decided to really uh take a more independent approach so i have a podcast i am building a community granted it is in its infancy at the moment so there's not a whole lot going on just yet but i have the podcast i i've been doing uh lots of interviews i'm focused on getting it edited and 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 uh uploaded to youtube so building the community is my current priority because i want to be able to still help people i want to still be able to give back and i feel that that is the most effective way to do so but you know just like uh just like all the other stories I shared, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm learning a lot along the way. So just yeah. the beginning. So your podcast is going to be about addiction and recovery. It's a little bit more broad. It's, it's more like a, it's more about perspective in general, where I welcome people of all walks of life. Um, I do end up having a lot of coaches. I have had people um, that, were were addicts and are now you know successful I, I have success stories i have um i actually even i have uh some comedians on every once in a while as well i try to keep it where all walks of life can come share their perspective not too different from what you're doing here um but i do want to find i'm still kind of finding my way and I and I want to be able to find a way I can still provide that coaching aspect. I'm thinking about just aside from the podcast, doing some uh, like straightforward videos where I'm just kind of talking on camera and, uh, you know, posting them on like Patreon or something along those measures um, where I can provide my uh, my my uh, coaching insight and different things I've learned along the way, but it takes a lot because I have to figure out how I want to structure that. And it takes a lot of brain power and time. So. Yeah, I totally get it, man. When you say community, what do you mean by building a community? You just mean like an online community or do you mean like an actual physical in life community? 
Um, first and foremost, just online at the moment, I would be open to be doing it in person in material, physical fashion, but, uh, that's more like a down the road kind of situation right now. I invite people to, to, to find me on Facebook and, uh, join my Facebook group. That way I can, uh, stay connected. And that's where I aim to communicate with everybody. I have a website that is under construction right now where I host my blog and, uh, and then my community will be able to grow from just the Facebook group to the website. But I want to get active in the community. I want to find ways to give back and hold events and stuff like that. I got a lot of ambitious plans, but it's about a lot of it's about meeting the right people along the way as well. So, yeah, man, like I said, we're in our infancy, but um, while we are still finding our way, you know, I, I, I feel like, you know, there's there's great things ahead. So. So being a certified peer specialist, you taught people a lot of ways to uh, beat addiction and you taught them coping strategies. But what are some things that you learned from them? That's a great question. No, that's a great question. Um, a lot of times it's a great reminder. Um, and this isn't, I'm not alone in, in this. Like I've, I've talked with other uh, peer coaches who who agree that it's it's this position is not only about us giving back to them, but it's also a way for us to stay clean. You know, it, it we stay involved with the community and we're driving around in the community, you know, every day and we're seeing people who are dope sick and stuff like that. And, and it's a reminder of how far I've come. You know, because I can get stuck in the muck, right? Like even right now where I'm building my community and things might, you know, they it might feel like it's taking a while to lift off the ground. And, you know, maybe I want things to move a little faster. But then, you know, being able to coach is a reminder of how far I have come. And it's it's a really beautiful thing um, to be able to work with somebody and see them grow. and um, you learn new things every day when you're working with them, but they're primarily about yourself and, and, uh, and then the community at large as well. Gotcha. So me and you, we both live in Ohio and you know, I we, yeah, I live in Cincinnati. I don't know if you want to say where you're from. I, but... I, 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 uh, openly say Southwest. So gotcha. All right, so we're around the same area then. Yes, sir. Um, recently, Ohio passed uh, issue two that legalized yes, marijuana. What are your thoughts on that? I'm for it. Um, yeah. I I voted for it as well. Like I can, I have no problem admitting that. Um, one thing that we didn't talk about, uh, which is huge in the coaching world, because there's different takes right there's different views on how recovery should look and aa or i'm gonna say 12 steps because aa there's na you know but uh the 12 step attitude is strictly about abstinence it's about 
no drugs, no alcohol, substance-free life. Whereas most of the places that I worked for, um, worked with as well, um, they they all, I, I and I learned this term when I started working at my first job, which is harm reduction, which is something I'm a firm believer in. And all that really indicates is the freedom to recover at your own pace, essentially. Harm reduction is about, it's less about abstinence and it's more just about you making progress. Let's say that you're a 12 pack a night kind of guy, right? And I'm talking to you like, hey man, this isn't good for your health. You've already told me that you want to get sober. You know, your family needs you, et cetera. You know, what are your plans? And you're like, man, I just can't see me living without alcohol right now. But I tell you what, I'm going to try to take it down from a 12 pack. I'm going to, I'm going to do a six pack. All right, man. A month goes by. Hey, how's that coming? Hey, I'm down to a six pack a night. Fuck yeah, dude. You know, I've seen people who say, I'm going to go from shooting a gram of heroin a day to just shooting a half gram of heroin. And I'm like, all right. Most people, um, I'm not gonna say most people, but there's there's a good portion of people in the community, the recovery community, who are not a fan of that approach. But to me, I see that as progress. These people are making legitimate, uh, honest progress. To me, that's a sincere approach. Um, and so, yeah, I don't have any problem with marijuana in recovery. I have learned that most things in life are best in moderation. And so if you're living your life where you're you're using marijuana and you're using it in moderation and it's not destroying your life, I don't have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with alcohol. You know, these things are fine in sociable areas. And the the medicinal qualities are a completely different story. Ohio has had it passed for medicinal purposes for a while now and i have no issue with that either so i'm i'm happy to see ohio making these kinds of strides not only did issue two get passed but issue one got passed as well and i actually wrote a uh a piece about it and i'm happy to see ohio look a little bit more blue, you know, because it's looked so red. Ohio used to be a swing state. Ohio used to be a battleground state. And, uh, and I said something in, I wrote a piece about it. I said something like Ohio's always looked best in purple or is what I said, because yeah, like, uh, the meter has pushed Ohio, you know, we've, we've voted red so often, these last decade or so that we're not even really considered a swing state anymore. We're considered a red state. And to see this kind of turnout, um, really it kind of, I think, or at least I'm hoping that it speaks for a change in the trend and that Ohio is still purple, you know? And yeah. I would prefer I so a purple well. state to a blue state too as well. But that's a different story as well, I guess. Yeah, I feel you on that. I think America would work best as a purple, meaning left and right should just come together and work together to solve these issues. I feel like 
when something is all red or all blue, that's when problems start to kind of arise. And I think that's the way our founding fathers kind of meant for this country to work. They kind of wanted left-wing and right-wing people to put their dis- dis- their differences aside and come together yeah. and, you know, make a strong union. Yeah, that was definitely the intention for sure. Yeah. Now, uh, that being said, man, what's the final word? What's something that you want the listeners to know? It could be either about addiction or about the journey out of addiction. Well, what's the final word, man? Man. Uh, Stay curious, my friends. You know, uh, that's that's my best advice, I guess, uh, is just to stay curious because – I think that that sort of speaks to all avenues that we spoke about today, you know, like uh, addiction, harm reduction, trauma. You got to stay true to yourself, you know, got to stay true to yourself. That's how you're going to get through it, as we spoke earlier. And you got to poke the bear. And I think that the way to get through it all is to stay curious. Don't. Be complacent. Don't, you know, don't give in to your your uh um your desires. Every you know, like 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 we were just saying, man, be purple about it. You can't be one way or the other. You gotta you have to always be open minded and stay curious because asking questions leads to the solution. You know, some people are just like. I know that problem. I know how to fix that problem. I'm going to fix that problem. And even if they're wrong, they're so stubborn about it. They know that that's the way, but somebody's going to be like, nah, man, I know another way to do it. It's faster. And they're just so stubborn about it. You got to stay curious, man. That's, I think that's the best thing I can say. Awesome. I love it. Where can people go to find you online? Is your podcast, is it up and running yet or... Uh, you can find me live streaming at the moment. So right. I live stream my interviews uh, Mondays and Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard. Mm. And I am currently in the process of editing them and, and so that I can get them uploaded onto YouTube. Uh, but find me at Varum Vasant on Facebook so that you can join the uh, join the community, the the Facebook group. That's where I'll be able to keep you guys updated on when the YouTube uh, is being launched, when the videos will be launched, the, ed- the episodes are coming out, and uh, as well as the website. So those are like the two main things I'm working on, the podcast and the website. And uh, the best way to, to you know keep yourself informed with all of that is on Facebook. That's where I'm most active. So. All right, then. So the name of the group is just your name, Verum Vissand? Uh Well, the name of the group is Vagabard. I can send mm-hmm. you this uh, afterwards if you want to awesome. like, like attach it to the video or whatever. But, uh, All right, we'll do. Yeah, my name is Verum Vissand, and That's That's how you'll find me on Facebook. I'm pretty sure I'm the only one with that name. Uh, but the community is called uh, Vagabard, which I didn't even really – talk about i realized but uh maybe that's for next time or you can come on my show and i'll tell you all about it all right, uh, yeah vagabard all right. I'll send you the info so that 
people know how to spell it. But yeah. Awesome. All right, then, man. This has been a very uh, illuminating conversation. I really enjoyed it and I learned a lot. Uh, you have a great day, man. Take yeah, care. Man, thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. Hey, no problem. Thank you for all the help you do. Thank you. Take care, man. You too. All right. That's a wrap. Thank you for joining us for another enlightening conversation here on Bright Brains. I hope you've gained valuable insights and inspiration to fuel your own bright ideas. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to like and subscribe, rate, and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform or however else you listen to this podcast. Also, we can be found on all major social media. Just type in Bright Brains with a Z. And remember, the brightest minds are those that never stop seeking knowledge.